Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show, Thursday, December 20th. We are live at 4 o'clock Pacific time. We're moving up in the world. It's a new time slot for us, and we're also making the switch from the sports channel to the variety channel. So it'll be the exact same show, exact same format, and uh, you could expect uh, for us to deliver the same goods that we have over the past year and a half. So uh, happy holidays to everybody, whatever it is that you're celebrating, Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, whatever it may be. Blessings to all. A lot to talk about uh, sports-wise, and uh, I'm just actually looking at some of the uh, waiver wire and the transactions that are uh, abundant throughout the world of sports. And obviously the big one from today is uh, Josh Gordon. Kind of interesting because uh, he has had substance abuse issues in the past, And in the morning, he released a statement saying that he was having mental health issues. And then we find a short time later that he is suspended indefinitely for failing another drug test. So I kind of wonder if they sent that morning statement just as a damage control thing uh, or if they, uh, you know, kind of coordinated it to kind of save face. Either way, big blow for the uh, New England Patriots. And we've seen them kind of stumble over the last, uh, you know, pretty much all season. They haven't really found a great rhythm offensively. They've kind of been dinking and dunking and, you know, getting some good play out of White and uh, Sony Michelle. But in terms of their passing offense, you know, Brady's put up good numbers collectively over the course of the season, but Gronk doesn't seem to be totally healthy or maybe he's just kind of in a decline. And I think this is a big blow for the Patriots. Uh, they only had him for a short period of time, but he still registered 720 yards of offense during that short period of time. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, how they're able to make the necessary changes to be that high powered offense that we're used to, but also to see whether or not they can make some noise in the playoffs or if it's going to be too difficult of a task for them to make all the necessary adjustments over a two week period, especially if they don't get that first round by. And the way that the Houston Texans have been playing. Uh, I wouldn't hold my breath if I'm New England that they're going to get that bye. Right now, it looks to me like either the Chiefs or the Chargers, which is really going to come down to the wire. Great uh, matchup for, for both of them last time out, and um, Chargers were able to hang in there and pull it off at the end. Fantastic game from beginning to end. And uh, you know, if you ask me, I still think that the Chiefs are going to win that division. But uh, you know, each of them has a difficult game. The Chargers are going to be hosting the Baltimore Ravens and the Chiefs have to go to the Pacific Northwest. Always a tough place to play against the 12th man in Seattle. So we'll know a lot more after this week. I I sure hope, though, that they both win their games this upcoming weekend and it comes down to that final game to see who can win that division. So one of them will be the number one seed most likely and the Texans, although they're still alive for... uh, you know, a variety of different spots. Uh, I, I think they're going to end up with the two seed. So that's kind of how it's looking in the AFC. In the NFC, you know, the Rams have been stumbling as of late. Uh, and I, I'm sure that Gino and I are going to talk more about that shortly here. Uh, and 
the Saints, uh, they haven't been playing as well, but they're still winning games and they're still they're still 12 and two and they are in the driver's seat for that first seed in the NFC. So let's start with the Rams well, and, you were and talk a little bit about why you, they're stumbling. And this is a perfect timing because Gino can jump in and, and kind of share his observations about the Rams. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm worried a little bit about the Rams in particular because one, I, thought, I think Jared Goff without Cooper Cup he doesn't have that safety valve that he had, you know, and I think that's, that's something that hasn't been mentioned a whole ton. We got used to seeing Cooper cup, Brandon cooks, Robert Woods, like the three headed monster. They had a wide receiver. He doesn't have that possession receiver anymore that, that, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of the good teams have a good tight end like that. That's kind of what cup was for him. And I also think Gurley's banged up, you know, he's been in and out of games a little bit. He's been on the sidelines a little bit. I, I think that some of these teams, in particular, the three teams that we're looking at that were so much better than everybody else early on in the season, the Saints, the Rams, and the Chiefs, I think some of these offensive players, too, they, don't they just look like they're a little tired even? Maybe a little beat up? I mean, I, I think Bra- uh, Breeze and Brady both look like they're showing some signs of age. Goff looks like he's gotten hit maybe a, a few too many times, or he's, he's starting to, to really get rattled. Any sense of pressure, I think of all of them, Mahomes is still playing pretty well but their offense is different without hunt so i mean of those top teams again this was another week where we're kind of going to have the same conversation we had last week mike we see these top teams these top tier teams they are not playing well right now they're not playing their best football and they are not peaking at the right time even if the rams beat the 49ers and the cardinals in the next couple weeks which they should how are you going to feel that confident going into the playoffs after what we saw when they had to deal with you know, the Bears and the Eagles the last couple of weeks. Because I'm not as a Rams fan now. This has shaken me a little bit. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised too, by the way. It, was, it didn't get a lot of uh, mention, but uh, the release of Farrell Cooper, who was a Pro Bowler last year, and I thought he was a pretty good weapon, especially on, in the kick return game last year. I thought that they'd maybe try to incorporate him a little bit more this year. Uh, doesn't doesn't seem like uh, he was a good fit for whatever the reason. But the, 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 the real Cooper is Cooper Cup, obviously. That was a big blow. Um, you know, coming out and, of you know, I, Washington. You know, question about the Rams, because you know more about a lot, of, like even like the, the personnel and the lines and stuff like that. And this is one thing that I've just kind of heard and, and read as of late is that with the Rams, they went in the offseason and got some really big name defensive players and some real, you know, they're, they're very top heavy, but do they have the depth that other teams have? That, that's something that that's step, starting I'll to come that into play. Further. I'll take that a step further and say this. In terms of defensive personnel, their strength is in their interior, defensive line-wise. Yep. Super, super strong there. Maybe maybe the best in the NFL. But the outside pressure hasn't been there on, a, on a, any kind no. of uh, consistent basis. And so what happens is, you know, I think you can make your adjustments and the play action, uh, you know, running to the outside, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of things that you could do offensively once you figure out that, you know, the pressure is going to be coming from up the middle. And you could game plan for that. And I think that's kind of what's happening. And, you know, from the beginning of the year, you saw teams picking on Marcus Peters. They just got uh, Tlaib back, which is, uh, a, a, you know, maybe a big boost. I don't know. I don't know how much he has left in the tank. Obviously, and he had an inter- interception. Some of these guys are named, though. You know, like, these are big name guys that struggle. They just didn't play well all throughout the year. They're, they're kind of living off past reputation. And we just didn't see a whole lot, you know, from, besides Aaron Donald, see a little from Sue. They, they're, they're, as you mentioned, they're front side of the defense has been strong but all year long this has been a team that defensively has had some struggles you know giving up points and and if their offense isn't humming 
And, you know, now, now you start to scratch your head and you go, okay, the offense isn't humming. The defense is mediocre. You got a banged up uh, girly. And McVay is a great, great coach. But kind of the same thing that happened towards the end of the year last year when the Rams, when the games tighten up, it seems like McVay gets a little tight too. So I, I yeah, want to see it, him make some tweaks. Yeah, you know, you pose the question regarding depth. And, you know, another move, uh, you know, going into the season that puzzled me a little bit was to not make sure to uh, lock up Robert Quinn. You know, Robert Quinn, I thought, sure. would be the outside presence from from the, you know, pass rushing perspective. You know, he's a former first-round pick of theirs from their days at St. Louis. Uh, he's still pretty young, 28 years old, um, having a pretty nice season uh, down in Miami. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see the depth. And uh, we, well, that was evident from in the running back position offensively last week when uh, Gurley had to sit out a few plays. Um, it didn't, it didn't really seem like they had enough confidence in their backs, even though statistically, you know, I think if you look at their, uh, you know, yards per carry, it's it's pretty decent, it's very respectable. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. And the to me, I'm the not so between... bullish on the Rams because we've seen it time and time again where the teams that are hot in December are the teams that make noise in the playoffs. The teams that You're we right. think are really good teams and that they kind of have that, they, they have that sweat equity with us. They've earned that credit with us. They're like, oh, they'll find themselves once they get to the playoffs. They usually don't, right? So and if the Chiefs, for example, tank the next two weeks, I'm not going to be bullish on the Chiefs, which is, uh, you know, my preseason pick. I'm going to jump ship yeah. because you have to be playing good football in December. You're not all of a sudden going to be able to turn on that switch and find it. It just doesn't happen. And we got to, we got to remember everybody. These are, we're talking about people, humans, not machines, not where everything's supposed to happen the way it happens all the time. Well, remember Andy Reid, he does not have success in the playoffs. He does not have a lot of success towards the end of the year in this situation too. So now you wonder, they could quickly this weekend win one loss, go from the one seed to the five seed, the chiefs instantly. Wouldn't that be something? You, not, not only do you not have a home game, you don't get the buy. And you got to go on the road. I mean, they could be in some big, they could be in some big, big trouble. <laughs> they could be in some real trouble it, with, with no hunt now and a defense that's not that strong. They still have Mahomes who can, I think, I can think could win you any game and could beat any team. But, you know, we talk more and more and as the weeks go on. And right now, a team like the Bears, who just seems to be playing well, kind of hitting on all cylinders, they have a good defense. They remind me a little bit of your Jacksonville Jaguars last year. But I think they actually have more offensive weapons than that Jaguars team. Oh, without a doubt. And I think, and they, they, I think they have a, obviously a better scheme offensively. Guys like Tariq Cohen, who's an excellent playmaker. They have Jordan Howard, who's a nice back if you want to run. They have a couple options receiving. And Trubinsky, who he's not necessarily the best drop back and pass guy. He can make things happen with his legs. He's the type of player that it's third and six. He rolls out. Nobody's open. He scrambles and picks up a first down for you. That's big in the playoffs, you know, just being able to make plays like that. So, you know, the more and more we watch these good teams falter and struggle, I mean, I'm really concerned now, and we saw we heard today with no Josh Gordon, so that's another weapon for the Patriots um, that's going to hurt them. Gronkowski just does not look like Gronkowski. I don't think he's going to play another year. Um, you, you weren't far off, Mike, in your prediction of the Patriots kind of having their downfall. And, and I think the real key and really the only reason why they're – still going to be hanging around is because that division is so bad and they just you know they get a free four or five wins in that division every year you know it, it, this is kind of a, a little bit of an off topic 
a point that I'm going to make really quickly, and then we'll we'll get back to where we're flowing here. But I was kind of thinking about it the other day, and like when you look at football players for the longest time, you know, if you're a quarterback, once you started creeping towards 34, 35, you were considered over the hill. 29, 30 is a running back. You're over the hill. They had these kind of definitions, rules, whatever you want to call it for football players. And we're suddenly seeing it get blown out of the water, right? With the best yeah. quarterbacks in the league really are 39, 40, 41. I mean, it's really crazy. <laughs> right. you know, the, the breezes and yeah. stuff, right? So now I look back at baseball. And baseball kind of had some of the same rules, right? You know, you're that Scott Rowland, third baseman. You get to 35 and you're a gritty guy. All your stats kind of go downhill all of a sudden, right? But then we saw all of a sudden, like, the Clemens and the Barry Bonds and a lot of the the users, if you know what I mean. And then they started Mm -hmm. being able to perform into their 40s. And I'm kind of – I'm not making any accusations, but it really makes you wonder. We know what happened in baseball to lead to these guys performing at that level. You think maybe what a trip over to Germany or something for some of these older guys? <laughs> I mean, there I might be a I know my, my man there might be Kobe, something. I Kobe went over to Germany once or twice and, uh, and, and had yeah. one of those operations done. Yeah, yeah you know? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, when, when, when you look at, uh, at the Patriots, I mean, at some point, Father Time is going to catch up. You know, Sometime um, they're going to have to. You know, with that said, I mean, Brady's numbers are still pretty ridiculous, you know, but they're they just are. not in sync. And I started off at the top of the show before you jumped in, you know, talking about the Gordon move uh, suspension and, uh, you know, that Gronk has he's just, he's not the same Gronkowski. So, no, and, and you know, that, what? back I don't to even the NFC, though, for a quick second here, I, I did want to point one thing out, which is the Rams and the Saints are the only two playoff contenders that have an above 500 road record. Everybody else, the Seahawks are five hundred four and four. Everybody else is below. The Vikings and, and you two, know what? two four it's and just, one. Actually, the Bears are five hundred. Also, excuse me, three and three. Eagles are three and four. The Cowboys are two and five. So even if you're a little bit fearful as a Saints fan or as a Rams fan, oh my 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 favorite team isn't playing that well. It's still a tall order for any of these teams to go in there and win. hundred percent. It, it will still be difficult, and that and that's what we've seen is. I think a point that you and I kind of, and most people noticed early on, this year was supposed to be a really deep year, especially in the NFC. Like coming into the year, there were so many teams that were projected to have a shot at making the playoffs, you know, and there's all these teams that are going to be battling for a playoff spot. And then after we got like four weeks into the season, we looked up and we said, well, there may be five good teams in the whole league. And then, and you know, there's five really bad teams and then, and everything else is in the middle. And everything else, like anything could happen. It wouldn't surprise you with, with any of those teams. And, and that's really what we've seen is like, there's just not a lot of great teams anymore. There's a couple bad teams and then everybody else is in that middle class. And yeah, and the crazy thing right about there. it is, I mean, it's not unheard of to go on a two-game winning streak or a two-game losing streak in the NFL. When you look at the AFC South, I mean, there are three teams between eight and ten wins. Now, I don't know uh, who exactly who's got what tiebreakers and all that kind of stuff, and I don't think they're even totally sorted out because if you win an AFC conference game or division game next week, it may change things. So I don't know how it's going to all shake out at the end, but there are three teams right there, the Texans, Colts, and Titans. That uh, that's why there's there's no clinching at this point for any of them, division wise or even wild card. So it's it's really coming down to the wire. A very exciting time time uh, for for the NFL to have so many teams involved. But well, it's fun. How it's exciting fun when there's really a lot to when still happen in the last couple weeks. I think have what it takes to to win it all. So how many how many do you think? Like right now, how many teams do you think could win the Super Bowl? In the AFC, there's three teams: Chiefs, Texans, and Chargers. 
I mean, can Pittsburgh? Sure. Can New England? Sure. But I think those are the three teams that have the most realistic chance to be able to win the Super Bowl. And I still think that uh, there are three teams only in the NFC as well. And I'm going to go ahead and include the Bears there just because they do play a good defense and a good enough offense. You know, pass rush, pressure, sacking the quarterback, you know, getting in the quarterback's face, getting him out of rhythm. That's a big thing, especially when you look at a young quarterback like Goff. I mean, let's not forget there was an early playoff exit for them last year. Right. Yeah. And it's, so, it's, the Bears just follow that template that your Jags followed last year. You know, good defense. They were one play away from the Super Bowl. The Jaguars were, you know, they yeah. were a blown lead away from the Super Bowl. And I, and I don't think that there's any dominant teams to be too scared of. There's a couple teams that are better than everybody else. But what we've seen is those teams that we thought were better than everybody else are coming back to the pack now. So I'm with you. I think the Bears are in that mix. I think there's the one long shot team that I honestly think could win two or three games on the road if they got in is the Colts. I think they're playing hot. They have a good, good defense. Andrew Luck has figured things out. They have the offensive weapons. He's the type of guy that can win a game for you. I think if they got in and, you know, and, they, and things matched up well for them, I have no reason to think they couldn't go on the road and beat New England and then beat Pittsburgh or vice versa. And then, you know, then it comes down to them having to win one game at Kansas City or at the Chargers. Would you be would you be scared if, if you know if you have to go to play LA and the Chargers with that home field advantage? Not at all. No, not at all. Not at all. No, I definitely wouldn't be uh, scared one bit here. So uh, let's let's pick up this conversation after uh, we take a quick commercial break, and uh, I'm going to tell you why I was high on the Cowboys and Seahawks last week, but after laying an egg, I'm um, kind of over. Uh, that's how wishy washy this league is, right? One weekend, one week it out. Is. So. Let's yeah. uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back, and we'll also be joined by Keeneland Dan shortly here. So stay with us. We'll be back in two. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Looking for the best show about horse racing and handicapping? Want to play the ponies? Join us every week for Winning Ponies with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, where you'll go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, agents, and handicappers in the world of horse racing. This show is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Listen for top plays for the weekend and the spot play of the week and win prizes just for calling in. Winning Ponies with John Englehart is live Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the draft, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. 
He'll cover the camps on and off the field and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. It's the most wonderful time of the year. we got to get the Christmas songs in here, Mike, and the holiday feel. This is our last show before. Man, you got a, you got a better voice, time. better voice than I than I thought, man. There we go. I, I can. That's I can, a that's I a little that's a Broadway action. That's a Broadway <laughs> action. We're gonna we're gonna bring in in just a minute our uh, our good friend Keeneland Dan and uh, Dan's gonna talk with us a little bit about some college basketball. We know Dan online as Keeneland Dan. A lot of times you hear him and you see him talking about horse racing. And Mike, so before we get into the horse racing, I know you had a, a question or two you wanted to. Uh, before we get into the uh, basketball talk. I think you had a horse racing question or two you wanted to ask Dan about Turfway, right? Yeah, actually, well, Dan, first of all, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Oh, good. Thanks for having me. It's a good time of year right now. The horses, basketball, Christmas, what what more could you ask for, right? Now, Turfway, I, I actually noticed that on their website, uh, you're on there, and, and you've got selections on there. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. Every every selection throughout the whole meet's on there. And also on fbgmobile.com, it's always free uh, for Turfway Park. I do it for Turfway Park to help out and to try to get the handle up, and I think it's been working so far the, the year and a half that we've been doing it. Yeah, how how has the meet gone so far? You know, it's typical Turfway where a couple favorites a night will win, and then at least one, sometimes two horses that you couldn't handicap with a dartboard win. Just been, just been, uh, just that's just that maker, right? That's, yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, you'll get a couple Wesley Wards and a couple Mike Makers that'll win, and then all of a sudden you'll get some horse from Belterra that's 50 to 1 that'll nail you on the wire, and you're throwing your tickets up, and you're disgusted. But that's just turf play. It's, I call it the home of the all button, and if, if you don't want to use the all button, you are not going to win. Yeah, so, <laughs> Chaos. So on, on that that's note, terrible. you know, b- before we dig into to, to some college hoops here, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Balterra. Which circuits have you seen have some uh, success early on in this meet? And Gino knows uh, by now I love asking that question at the beginning of the meet. And, uh, and I kind of like to either cross off a certain circuit and, and, or, or run with a hot circuit coming in. Have you seen any patterns so far? Yeah, the horses from Churchill Downs are usually superior. But the only question you got is, will they stick to the poly? So we really like horses that come in that are turf horses. And Mike Maker has been great at that over the years. He used to be great at it at Keeneland before they switched back to dirt, where he'll bring some Gulfstream uh, turf horses, he'll bring some Churchill turf horses, and then he puts them on the poly, and they just go ahead and take to it. Kitten Joys always take to the poly. I mean, that's one of the best sires out there. If you see a Kitten Joy switching the poly from the turf, if they're in the right class, they will they will run big, and so that's what I, I try to focus on the makers and the wards. 
And then, you know, when I have no opinion, I just try to go as deep as I can possibly go because, I mean, you can look at the payouts every night. The pick fives are paying 10000 20000 and all you it's always just one completely illogical horse that you can't, you just can't handicap it. I mean, and if you don't like to play that way, I understand. You just got to try to bet straight and pick your spots. But if you're betting pick fours and pick fives and you don't have a single and you don't have it all somewhere, I don't know how you hit it on a consistent basis. Yeah, it's a tough track, you know, G. It's a uh, it's one of those that you you know when when you're up a few bucks and uh, and are a little bit daring, that's when you take a stab, right? Well, what's difficult is it's, it's similar to Keeneland too, and and a lot of those Midwest tracks, Dan, is that you get them coming from everywhere. You know, you right. get the you get the horses coming from the East Coast, from you know the Midwest. You get some horses coming from the West Coast that maybe want that style of racetrack. So that's what makes it. The, is very difficult is there's not necessarily just one circuit where they all come over from. It's you're, you know, when you watch your replays, you're going to be watching replays from five or six different places when you handicap that card. Oh, no question. And of course that's so fun, right? You got to dig through website after website to try to get somebody to <laughs> share the God forbid we all, you know, God forbid we have one place to go that we can all watch replays You know, everybody's got to fight and you know, you can't have mine and you can't have mine. And, so you got to keep switching from. It's funny. I can only watch Churchill Downs replays from my cell phone. I can't watch it from my computer unless I go to Twin Spires. But then Naira, I have to go over to Naira. I mean, it is unbelievable. <laughs> Golf stream, you have to go to YouTube. <laughs> it's like I'm flipping all over the dang on place watching replays, and you know, all to, all to bet on a fifteen thousand dollar maiden claimer at Turfway. But that's just that. That's life of betting Turfway. I mean, they, they come in from everywhere. And the really hard part is that people that are not used to Tibetan to, to turfway, you've got to understand that a 25 buyer number might actually be good. It wins, you know, yeah. You, <laughs> yeah. You can't just go down the field and go, oh, my God, because you're going to see a 12, a 0, a 10, a 20, a 25. I mean, you just got to understand that this is the, this is the level of horse, and, you know, that 25 might run a 34, and he may win. You know, the horse might look like he's got three legs on paper, but if he's bred for the poly and he's got the right rider and the right trainer, post position is gigantic at Turfway Park. And I know not every track, especially dirt tracks, is that big of a deal anymore, but sprinting at Turfway Park, especially six and six and a half furlongs, if you're on the inside one or two holes, it's like a death trap. I mean, you have no chance. I mean, you you got to be one to five just to win by a neck. Because it's just, I don't know what it is about that rail, but it is just so bad. They come down the crown of that track, and I get tweets all the time from guys that will say, why is he 10 wide? Why is he 8 wide? I'm like, well, because that's where you need to be. You, know, you come up the rail, you, you just it's like quick, it's quicksand. Here with Fat Bald Guy Racing, Keeneland Dan on Twitter, at Fat Bald Guy Racing. And one thing about Dan is he loves to talk with you, basketball, horse racing, whatever. If, uh, if you have a question or you want to, uh, go back and forth on uh, selections or a game. Always a great, great Twitter follow and one to interact with Dan. And so far as we kind of transition over, for those who don't know, Dan is the brother of the head coach of the Cincinnati basketball team, Mick Cronin. Dan was a very good basketball player growing up. And uh, another just really good start to the season for your brother and these guys. He's really developed um, kind of a – uh, an attitude over there now. And when, when I think Cincy, uh, now I'm always thinking a team that's not going to get beat up, a team that's going to be tough. They're going to play excellent defense. They're going to be hard-nosed. 
They're not going to make a lot of mistakes. And right now you're 10-2. and two. You just beat up a UCLA Bruin team. Talk to us a little bit about this year's squad. What's your identity? And kind of what are some of your expectations for this Cincinnati group? Well, you, you just hit it on the head. I mean, the identity is defense. I mean, they've got to play defense, and they do. And the one thing about mixed teams, especially over the last seven or eight years, I mean, rarely do you turn the game off after the game and say, man, we didn't show up tonight. We were flat. We didn't try. I mean, you never say that. I mean, it's unbelievable how he gets these kids. I don't care if it's a Wednesday night at 9 o'clock. I mean, they, he always gets them to be ready to play, and they come out, they play defense. Yeah, they may not shoot it very well, and they'll have some off nights on offense. But, I mean, the defense, they just dig in, and their philosophy on the road is, I mean, they, they try to limit possessions. They try to limit everything that the other team does. They try to take the crowd out of it by lulling them to sleep, by passing it a bunch of times, and it's kind of a boring-type game on the road. But they're 19-6 and six in their last 25 road games in major college basketball. I mean, that's almost impossible. That's so I mean, difficult to do it in, in basketball, yeah. Well, and I, I and, just told somebody last night who was, who was complaining about our offense, I said, do you realize that Xavier's 13-13 and 13 in their last 26 road games? I mean, that's life on the, that's, that's real life on the road. I mean, it's not easy to win on the road in college basketball, and we do it because of the style of play by limiting possessions, playing hard nose, and do not turn the ball over. I mean, I can't tell you how many guys would tell me, well, so-and-so should play more, and I'll say, well, all you got to do is look at his turnovers, and I'll tell you if you should play more. If they turn it over, they're not going to play. I mean, that's just the philosophy. Play defense, don't make mistakes, and take open shots, and Hopefully it gets to 45 to 45 with about 10 minutes to play on the road and we can somehow beat them in a close game. And that's kind of, that's the whole identity in 10 and 2 right now with the schedule we played. I thought we'd be about 8 and 4. But Keith Williams I has mean, emerged as a, I mean, he's just, I mean, I think he's averaging almost 15 a game now. And I think he averaged two a game last year. Only a couple losses this year to good losses, too, to Mississippi State and Ohio State, two very quality basketball teams. One thing that I've, I've noticed just at, at first glance, it seems like this year's American Conference, Dan, is, is very deep. I mean, just looking at some of these teams and who they've been competitive with and who they've beaten in the non-conference schedules, you have a Houston team who's 10-0, Temple and uh, UCF are 9-2, South Florida is eight and two. Tulsa and UConn are nine and three. SMU and, and Wichita, who are generally two of the better teams, have struggled a little bit. But you know those two teams are going to be tough, and they're very good at home. Those teams are tough to go play on the road. So, to me, I look at this American Conference, and I see a conference that, coming from someone who is a fan of the Pac-12, this is a this is a pretty deep and competitive conference compared to what I'm dealing with out here. Yeah, and I agree with you. The conference over the last couple of years has gotten so much better, and I think what happened is they just got better coaches. You know, all of a sudden Larry Brown went to SMU, brought Jankovic with him, and now he took over. You know, before that there was nothing down there, and then you got Samson took over at Houston. You got uh, uh, the Duke what's it, the Duke guy at UCF, I always forget his name, Dawkins. Um I mean, you got good, good coaches in this league now, and then Hurley takes the job at UConn. I mean, that's UConn will be back in the top twenty in two years with Hurley because he can flat out coach, and he get he's a lot like Mick. He gets his guys to play defense, they play hard, and he's got good guards. All he's got to do is add a couple big guys that can play, and they're right back in it. And uh, I mean, this conference, I would be surprised. 
if Houston, Cincinnati for sure didn't make the tournament, and maybe another team or two, probably Central Florida should. I mean, they get hurt so often, but if they can stay healthy, I would think Central Florida would make it too because Taco Fall is going to protect that rim, and Dawkins' kid's really good, and Taylor's really good. And, you know, they play that style that every game's 52 to 50. So, you know, they're, they're, they'd be a tough out in March. But, uh, yeah, I keep joking when we go to Central Florida, the first one, the 40s, going to win because neither team ever gives <laughs> up any points. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, conference, the conference is just way better this year. And, and, and plus, you look around the, 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 the country, the Pac-12 is way down. The Big East is way down. I mean, people that love the Big East, they're just seeing different basketball that I'm seeing. I mean, yeah. Villanova is still the signature program, and they're just not very good. They're young. They, they shoot wild shots every time down the floor, and they're not playing defense. So but when they don't play you know, defense, <laughs> you know, you're not going to win. And Dan, I was I was just gonna comment on you know when you're talking about the uh, American Conference top to bottom having some some depth, uh, you know when you, and as Gino was mentioning, you have a lot of teams that are performing pretty well and have had some um, you know strong losses if you want to call it that. It seems that in ter- from a standings uh, or from a rankings perspective, in terms of respect, they're not getting a lot of respect. In fact, I would say only the ACC and the Big Ten from a rankings perspective are, are getting that kind of respect that um, what over half the teams, I think are between those two conferences in the top 25. So do you think that's going to be yeah. an issue or how does that translate when selection Sunday comes? Well, I think what happens early in the year is so many voters are lazy that they just kind of go down and they look at, okay, well, the, these seven teams in the ACC all got one or two losses. So we'll just, we'll just rank them. And then they see them on TV, so they rank them, and they all run up these gaudy records because nobody ever leaves their building, you know. And then they want to brag when they play a neutral court game, at, and you know, in Chicago, like, you know, we we dared Duke actually left Cameron and played Texas Tech in Chicago, like that's some big deal, you know. Why don't they go to Lubbock? You know, go to Lubbock and see how you do, you know. But they won't do that. You know, none of the high majors will leave their own arenas anymore. I mean it. It's like a six-month process for a team like Cincinnati or Xavier to schedule a home-and-home with a UCLA, a Mississippi State, because nobody wants to play. They all want to. They all want to call ESPN or Fox and say, "Hey, put this game together for us in in Dallas or in Chicago." And well, ESPN and Fox aren't going to do that for anybody that's not named Carolina, Duke, Gonzaga. I mean, if you don't have that big name, you're not getting that game. So, you know, the scheduling is a big deal to where you can't get the respect until the conference starts and there's all those other teams start taking losses. You know, all those teams up at the top that are the fourth best team in the ACC, well, they're going to have seven or eight losses by the time it's all done and they'll finally drop a little bit in the rankings where a team like Cincinnati, a team like Houston, uh, in the old days it was UNLV and San Diego State, they start creeping up the rankings because they're not going to take as many losses in the conference. Now, this year in the American, because it's getting so much better, we may not be able to sneak up as high as we want because we're going to, we are going to absorb some losses because the conference is better now. So, you know, you're not just going to go 16-2 and two in the conference anymore. You know, if you go 13-5, and five, you know, now you've got five or six losses, then you're lucky to be a five or six seed and, 
you know, then you got to pull off upsets in March. And, and that's why it's so hard for teams from the American and the A-10 and the Pac-12 to advance. Because other than Arizona, nobody else ever gets a high seed. You know, and Arizona was- seems to want to get, they get to the Elite Eight and then they keep getting beat. But at least they get, you know, a little bit out of the first round most years, unlike last year, but most years they do. Dan, we uh, are coming up on a commercial break right now, so we're going to take a quick break, and then when we return, we'll expand, and we'll move to kind of the overall view, who are some of the top teams right now, who might you think is overhyped, and maybe a sleeper or two um, uh, teams that maybe be around tournament time. So let's take a quick break. When we return, it'll be the uh, overall NCAA basketball layout with Keeneland Dan, and then Joining us shortly after that, it'll be the Parlay Queen, Monique. We'll get the plays of the week from her. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on the Mike Abadir Show. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific. For Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars. Heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you? It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Moving in from Cincinnati basketball to kind of overall college basketball in general. We're here with Keeneland Dan and Dan, this year, we didn't have to wait very long to see some of the absolute studs. That first night of basketball, we saw Duke with some monsters. Uh, they have a couple kids. They might have three of the top seven or eight picks this year in the uh, in the NBA draft. And the two in particular towards the top, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, uh, another 
uh, Bull Bull is a really nice prospect out here on the West Coast. What do you think of, of some of these top-tier talent, and who do you think are some of the top-tier teams that are going to be hanging around at the end of the year? Well, I, I think Duke certainly will be, you know, all year, barring some major injury, because they are, they are shorthanded. I mean, if one of those three guys go down, it changes everything. Uh, but they're, they're so good, all three of them, that, that Duke's got to be a number one seed, barring something crazy. And, you know, in Virginia, because they've got upset in the tournament the last few years, people forget about them. Virginia is really good. And that freshman that didn't play in a tournament last year is now a sophomore, and he's an NBA lottery pick. So, I mean, they're, they're undefeated right now. They haven't played a lot of teams. But look for Virginia to challenge Duke to win the whole ACC again. Uh, North Carolina's really good. The team nobody's talking about at all, and I mean at all, is Michigan State. I mean, they're really good. Um, I would think they're, them and Michigan are the two favorites to win the Big Ten, but the Big Ten's got six, seven teams that could all be, you know, top five or six seeds. So it wouldn't shock me if the Big Ten didn't get a bunch of good seeds. The ACC is going to get a bunch. Um, those are the main teams. The team they've never heard of before is Buffalo. Uh, Buffalo's really good, and nobody even talks about them. Uh, they just won at Syracuse last night. They won at West Virginia earlier in the year. Um, they got five seniors. They shoot it. They don't turn it over. They got a good coach, and, man, do they play defense. I don't want it. I, I put that on Twitter. I said, I want no part of Buffalo in the first round of the NCAA tournament. I know that. I mean, look what they did to Arizona last year. I mean, they just manhandled them. Um, and I can see that happening to somebody again, that they don't get any injuries. They're going to get in. I don't. I. Th- I think they're going to get in, even if they lose in the MAC, uh, because they're just they got too many good wins already, and nobody's talking about them. And of course, Mississippi State that we lost to down in Mississippi. I mean, they they got shooters. They. I mean, they get ten, twelve, fifteen threes every night, and if they keep doing that in the tournament, we saw that a few years ago with VCU. You know, VCU is a thirty-two percent three-point shooting team the whole season. They get the NCAA tournament, shoot over 40%, and make a run to the Final Four. You know, Mississippi State's one of them teams that could do that because they've got really good shooters. they got high level. I mean, they got five guys that were all in the top 75 uh, players uh, when they came out of high school. And when's that ever happen? Uh, all them UCLA people that wanted to get rid of Howard, they might not be too thrilled right now, but he's doing it again. <laughs> He's doing yeah. it again at Mississippi State. I mean, he's getting players. He's getting them to play. And, you know, third, I mean, what's it? I think it may be his third year now. I mean, he is. He's a good coach. And, man, they they were raining them in on us. And we, we just couldn't stop them. We got one of the best defenses in the country. And we had no answer. I think they hit 13 of them against us. Um, it went from 45 to 45 to like 54 to 45. And the game was over in two minutes, just like that. And, uh, you know, nobody talks about them. But there's some there's some high quality teams that you know who's going to win the Pac-12. <laughs> Your guess Jeez. is as good as mine. Yeah, probably yeah. Arizona State. I mean, I guess Arizona State. I and that, I that's saw, the thing. I, I mean, saw, as a USC fan, they're not they're bad. They're not as bad as their record says, and they're missing you know Kevin Porter Jr. who who might be a top ten pick. So. With this conference so bad, if they can get him back in the next week or two, you know, they have as good of opportunity as anyone to win some games in there and, and win. It's just, it's so bad out here, Dan, as you mentioned. Some some of these conferences are really down this year, and I we're crossing our fingers hoping that the Pac-12 can maybe get two, maybe three in the, in the tournament max. But right now, this is looking like a one-to-two conference bid, you know, group. 
Well, it seems like every year that the committee keeps wanting to put a Pac-12 team in the first four in Dayton. I mean, yep. I think it's been about every every year they got yeah. to stick one of them in there, um, which I don't think's fair. But they just keep doing it, you know, making them fly across the coast and 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 playing in that game. But you know, if you could squeak one in there and then maybe two other ones. I mean, I, I would think Arizona State is good enough, and they got good enough guard play and a good enough coach that when they go into that conference. I don't see them losing more than maybe three, four games tops. So if they I agree. go fourteen and four, they get to the conference maybe you know eleven and two or something. I mean, then they they got to get a decent seed then. Um, but other than them, I, I just <laughs> every team I've watched play, I'm like, man, are they bad? You know, and it's just I don't, I don't. I mean, that's the way I've watched the Big East too, though. I mean, I saw Xavier up close in person, right at courtside, and just kept looking at looking over to my buddies, going, "How are they so bad?" Hey, what happened? They were a one seed last year, you know. But the whole the whole Big East conference is way down. I mean, way down. I, I'm not. I don't bet sports, but there's you couldn't you couldn't pay me to bet on a Big East basketball team. They're just not, especially you know these out of conference games. They just wow. It's I mean it's unbelievable. I mean Villanova. I watched them play and just kept saying they're young. They got a couple good players, but how are you going to win running around taking 25 foot fadeaways? all night long if you don't have NBA players. So that's Keeneland, why they lose it. I mean, they get, you know. Keeneland, Dan, this is a great time. Dan, with uh, Santa Anita opening up soon, Gulfstream Park getting into the swing of things, fairground running, Oaklawn's going to be opening soon. So uh, for those of you who are horse racing fans, make sure to check out fatballedguyracing.com. They'll help you out with anything you need there with selections and analysis and all sorts of great packages, Dan. And Dan, you know, it's it's – it's Christmas. It's the holiday season right now. So before we let you go, I got to ask you, got to ask you a question. In the birth of the baby Jesus in the nativity, what were the three gifts that the wise men brought? What were the three gifts? Oh, Jesus. The three gifts the wise men brought. Um, wine? I don't... I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I love Bud Light, Bud Light, uh, wine, and... Uh... Gold, frankincense, and myrrh there. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There and then we. I'll give you one more, Dan. What was uh? What was Scrooge's first name in the uh? In a Christmas Carol. Jeez, I should know this one, and I don't. Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge. There, that's Keelan, it. That's it. Yep. Keelan, yep. Dan, I knew our, I our good friend. Dan, awesome man. <laughs> We're gonna get you on a couple more times before the end of the season. We'll talk conference tourneys, and then we'll talk before the uh the uh the big March Madness bracket starts. So thanks a lot. Good luck to the Bearcats out there. Tell Mick we're uh, we're always rooting for you guys and and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, right, Dano. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Good luck at Turfway. Thank you. Okay. I'm going to bring in uh, Monique right now, Mike. As we bring in Monique, Mike, I'm pretty sure I asked you this exact question last year. Let's see if you remember. What song is the best-selling single ever? It's a Christmas song. The best-selling single ever. You know, I do remember you asking that question. I want to say uh, Dean Martin. Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby, yeah. White Christmas by Bing yep. Crosby. I knew it was one of those guys. Okay. Ever. So, a little Christmas trivia as we. By the way, in. I got that one wrong, but I would have got the, uh, the the Bible one and Ebenezer right. I'm actually pretty decent with my Bible trivia. Which I was going to say, with some of the, uh, the, the non commercial christmas trivia you'd probably be okay in the in those uh in those questions so monique the parlay queen happy holidays monique we're just uh about not even a week out from christmas so we hope you have the best one and i'm sure that for christmas you want some winners right like anyone 
Of course, I want those every single day of the year, but especially <laughs> during Christmas time. <laughs> so a uh, couple plays for you this week, Monique. Why don't you take the floor and uh, just kind of lead us where you go? Yeah, there's a couple plays. I like two in the NFL, the first one being Kansas City minus three. Now, the Hawks at home have been a covering machine over the past couple of years, and backing them blindly at home has been a very profitable angle. But they do meet a Chiefs squad that are hoping to lock up a first-round bye, and they've just been playing with the exception of their loss last week, they've just been a fantastic team. Uh, the Hawks allowed Nick Mullins to throw for over 700 yards in two games. Now, with Mahomes and the Chiefs hungry to avenge last week's loss, I feel like Kansas City's going to have a field day. And I think at only three, I, I love them at that spread. So Kansas City play number one for the Parlay Queen. And then you're going to go to uh, you're going to go to the Broncos for your second play. Yeah, Broncos two and a half. Now, if the season were to end tomorrow, the Raiders would have the second overall pick in the draft. And I feel like for them, that's a little bit more incentive to potentially tank just for that draft spot, draft stock. They have a lot of holes in their offense and defense. And I feel like that's more crucial at this point than getting an unnecessary win. Now, for the Broncos, like the Raiders, they've already been way eliminated from playoff contention. But they do have a little bit more incentive with Vance Joseph really coaching for his job right now. I feel like the Broncos are the better team. Obviously, I'd like them a little bit more if they were at home, but I feel like they can definitely get the job done. And with the small spread, I feel like taking them with the two and a half or laying the two and a half is a decent play. And then one college play for Monique. Come in, starting next week, Monique, I'll have a, a couple more college plays with you. I, I like some games that are from kind of the 28th on, but you have a play uh, this week and you're going to go to Wake Forest. Yeah, Wake Forest. I feel like they're one of those teams that well, they needed to get bowl eligible, so they had to win three of their final five games on the road. I think doing so gives a lot of momentum and motivation for the squad. They did have a couple of really big upsets, so I think taking the three-and-a-half points is a really good angle there. Uh, Memphis will be without their best player in Daryl Henderson, who's electing not to play. I feel like if Wake Forest can get the ball going through the run game, they'll have a lot of success. And I think that Memphis may struggle without their best running back and arguably their best player. So I feel like taking the points with a team that's coming in with some momentum is always a good play. And I think they could definitely win that one outright. The parlay queen, Monique. I saw you had uh, an article out with some plays this week for football and then also some racing plays too, right? Yeah, always have some racing plays. It's interesting at this time of year because... A lot of the better horses aren't going to be racing throughout the winter months, as you know. So it's interesting. I like a lot of the maiden races and a lot of the optional climbing, those things. I think I think you can find some really good prices in there. But, yeah, racing is one of those things that no matter what time of year, you can always find a couple of good, good horses and good plays. But, yeah, it's kind of dying down around the winter months, but always got to get in some action. Monique at Parlay Queen on Twitter. Thanks for joining us on the new time, Monique. And uh, Thanks, we, Monique. We'll talk to you again next week with some more NFL talk and some college football talk. Thank you guys so much. Good luck this weekend and happy holidays. You too, Monique. Great stuff there from Monique. Mike, let me rattle off my plays this week and then I'll hand it over to you. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go straight up against Monique in one of them. I'm going to go with Seattle at home plus the three versus Kansas City. I think they're going to win that game, and I'm also going to play the over in that game, 54. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game in the high 20s, and it's going to be a close one. And uh, I'm going to play the 49ers at home, plus four against the Bears. Bears going on the road, I think kind of a trap game for the Bears. They really don't have a, a ton to play for. I mean, they're going to try to get... 
the uh, you know, uh, up in the seating, but I think they're pretty much going to be locked into that three seed unless something crazy happens. So I, I think this might be a game they are looking past. And then I'm going to go to the college bowl games, and I'm going to play a Pac-12 team out here, Cal, who has an excellent defense. Cal plus the two. I like their coaching staff. I like their defense. I'm going to play Cal plus two. So I have four plays. Seattle plus the three, over 54 in that game. 49ers plus the four, and then Cal plus two. Those are my four plays this week. Mike, I was one and one last week. You and I both lost in a, a really unlucky loss, a game where the Bills, they, they had no running backs. They were down four running backs, and they still found a way to win, but they didn't cover. Yeah, that was one of those uh, frustrating ones. I remember you had some uh, good fortune with the uh, point or half point going your way. Obviously, on this one, uh, we didn't have it. They won by one. We needed them to at least win by two. Uh, didn't happen. So that puts you at 24-16-2. Very solid record. Uh, I had my first uh, losing week in a while. Obviously, that loss there that we well, just I'm talked lucky. about. And, and I had one, a push. And you had a push. You could have yeah, very so easily been three. And yeah, one, you know, and so, that's yeah. how it bounces. So that puts me at 26-11-4. I've got three plays going into this week. I'd like to finish the year with over 30 winners if possible. I'm taking the points with Buffalo plus 13 against New England. I think I like that's that a lot play. of points. That's a good play. Too many yep. points. And I think that they're going to maybe keep it a little bit closer than expected. Uh, San Francisco, I'm with you, plus four against Chicago. Uh, San Francisco actually looks pretty decent and they usually kind of try to finish too. the year yeah. and here's one area where i'll disagree with monique a little bit in that you know when they talk about teams tanking there there's no general manager that's going to go down and ask his team to lose all those guys are fighting for jobs for next year so you can't tell them in that locker room that they're not going to bust their butts because they're going to want to win and gruden wants to win obviously upstairs they may have a different sentiment niners i think they pull out the win here uh, or keep it very, very close against Chicago. It might be a stunner. And then the last play is I'm going to take six points, Detroit at home against Minnesota. I just don't think that Minnesota is that great of a team this year, and uh, they haven't been able to put together that one really, really good defining moment or defining game. Um, and when they do put together a decent game, they come back the following week and lay an egg. So uh, I think six points is a comfortable game for a divisional matchup. Those are my awesome. three. We got to get going, Mikey. We're done. Appreciate everyone joining us in the new time slot. Don't worry uh, if you subscribe, you'll still get the podcast sent to you later on, just the same as everything. And we want to hear more from you during the show. Live tweets, live uh, interactions. Happy holidays, Mikey. I look forward to talking to you next week after Christmas. Sounds good, my man. Everybody have a great sports weekend. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a great week.